The Day of Jubilee by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor Comment from the author In the account of the year of Jubilee in Leviticus chapter 27 verse 24 The field shall be returned to the owner, which is the Lord. And in verse 30, the tithe of the land, seed, or fruit is considered holy to the Lord. We are the born-again, sacred seed of God. We are the fruit of, and part of the tree of life, Jesus. Not of our doing, not of our works, but because we have died in baptism and then rose to our new state through the death and resurrection of the Lord. We truly are new creatures a different kind than any that have been born into Adam's race. You see, Adam's people belong to this present world where Satan is its God. We belong to our Father's kingdom. Every time one of us is born again, God's kingdom grows, for we are His field, and the kingdom starts in our hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. You are God's building. Think about this. We are the physical manifestation of the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here, or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. In this world, the powers and principalities, rulers of darkness, and lesser evil spirits are tormenting and harassing mankind, but in our Father's kingdom they have already been defeated. So they really have no power over his field either. He is the king, and all is subject to him in his kingdom. The good news is, everyone can become a part of this victorious, loving kingdom if they choose. The woes of this world can be overcome by the born-again child of God that remains steadfast, including death, sickness, and the enemy. This is why healing went hand-in-hand hand with the gospel as Jesus preached the kingdom it was to demonstrate this victorious phenomenon and to manifest God's desire for the restoration of mankind. Luke chapter 9, verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. Absolutely nothing is impossible for those that are fully in God's domain. Today, however, with what we know and our maturity level, we are only able to see the kingdom of God in our mind's eye or spiritual eyes, and we can only be a citizen of the kingdom in our hearts. We have the promise and hope of so much more, however. Apostle Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, 
who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. But at this present time, God's field is still being cultivated, and it is still a part of this world. The enemy has very cleverly sown weed seeds among the sacred seeds, but they are soon to be revealed and removed altogether. Right now, however, the king allows them to grow together, for to remove the weeds too early would root up the tender, short-rooted sacred seed. At this time, it is very hard to tell one from the other, but as the sacred seeds mature, they begin to look much different. The father's son tenderly watches their growth. His workers, the angels, make sure they're not harmed. The father himself personally sends the latter rain of righteousness. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 prophesies of this very thing. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Those seeds that will absorb the rain will grow and mature into a different kind of crop than what has ever been grown before. A bride is emerging that is fit for a king. When the time is just right, those that have been guarding the king's crop will harvest them. Sadly, the weeds as well as the sacred seed have grown quite strong. To the natural eye, they are still so alike. However, the owners know the difference. The workers know also, for they are from another realm, the kingdom of God. If you could just see, you would notice that the characteristics of the sacred seed are quite different from the weeds. The seedlings lean towards the sun. Their leaves are turned up ready to receive more rain from the Father, and their roots are quite firmly established now. Almost ready for harvest, little robes of righteousness have been placed on them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. If we're not clothed in righteousness, are we found naked? When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost their righteousness, or right standing with God, and were naked. They also were no longer immortal. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4 For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. But what about the weeds? All this time, they too have had angelic workers watching over them. However, these workers are lawless, evil, and always ready and alert to spot a sacred seed that is not receiving enough rain. You see, the weeds were carefully planted in God's field by their father. They were strategically placed so their roots would wrap around the sacred seed with the intent of keeping out the latter rain that is released at a feast called in God's kingdom, Sheminiatzeret. The weeds must see to it that God's crop does not experience this final feast of rain. 
Eventually, this drought will cause them to weaken and will unfortunately end in death. Again, however, the Father sees, the Son sees, and their workers know and see as well. Little robes of unrighteousness are placed on the weeds, for they have corrupted God's land and crop. All this may sound like a tale from a child's storybook, and that it is. The book was written for God's children. The author is God himself, so he must have thought it important to tell this story as a teaching tool or example for his family. Let us read, therefore, from his book. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. This is further explained again in Matthew chapter 13, if we will read from verse 36 to verses 43. Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 through 43. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Daniel chapter 12 Verses 2 and 3 shares this time in history with us also. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, we were sown to the ground as the dead church, shall awake and be born again, some to everlasting life, immortality, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness, unlike the tares, like the stars forever and ever. Abraham's seed are referred to as stars. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29 
And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. At last, Jubilee. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 21. But the field, when it is released in the Jubilee, shall be holy to the Lord. As a devoted field, it shall be the possession of the priest. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Here is the end of the story. The greater Abraham, our father God, will tithe a tenth of his harvested crop to the high priest, his son, who has been fashioned after the order of Melchizedek, which means king of righteousness. Now you can see the importance of the sacred seed receiving a robe of righteousness before they are presented to their husband and king as the bride of Christ. A new earth will be birthed through this tithe. The wedding present from their father, by the way, is the eagerly sought-after gift of immortality. Now they, too, will have no beginning or end. Their new address will be Salem, meaning peace or shalom. Psalm chapter 85, verse 10, Mercy and Truth. Remember Hosea chapter 10, verse 12? When we sow righteousness, we reap mercy. Have met together righteousness, the bride, and peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, have kissed. They are now officially married. The bride and groom are one. With the Feast of Tabernacles fully experienced, it is on to new beginnings. Numbers chapter 29 verse 35 On the eighth day, the number eight is symbolic of new beginnings, you shall have a sacred assembly, Sheminiatzeret. You shall do no customary work. What a happy ending! Now the nations can come, and a new crop can be planted in the holy field called Salem, or New Jerusalem, city of peace, that is no longer cursed. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, talking about New Jerusalem. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. In other words, no more tares will be planted by Satan. In fact, the enemy will be chained for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. As we close this story, let the day of Jubilee begin. Let the church move from Christianity into eternity and be guided by those that have received the gift of immortality. Revelation chapter 21 verses 4 and 5 makes this promise, and as the sacred seed of Abraham, this promise is ours. Revelation chapter 21 verses 4 and 5 And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, 
There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Here is a little food for thought. If righteousness is the tree of life, and Jesus is the king of righteousness, then who would the tree of life be? Is it not Jesus? Also, if being unrighteous made us naked, and therefore mortal, then it only stands to reason that if righteousness would cover us again, we would begin to become immortal. You see, righteousness cannot be corrupted, made to decay or die. Now, if Jesus is the king of righteousness, is it not a fact that Satan must be the king of unrighteousness? So, if Jesus is the tree of life, then would Satan not be the tree of good and evil? How do we fit in the picture? After we are born again and have experienced the deliverance ministry of Isaiah chapter 61 and have matured and developed a deep love for God's commandments, the scriptures promise we too will become trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. We will be shaped to the image of the King of Righteousness and grafted into the tree of life. So the encouragement is, walk in righteousness.